All right. Welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. Excited about this conversation about this $400 billion uh, market within philanthropy and how we can disrupt it. Uh, for a long time, there's been a huge gap in this space. And so um, I'm looking forward to uh, introducing you to our guest today. Um, before we do that, if you have not followed us on Instagram over at Black Equity Network, go ahead and do that now. Let's make sure that we have everybody that needs to be a part of our, our network following us so we can stay in contact. If you are a business owner, investor, and you're interested in being on the Black Equity Podcast, you want to follow us on Instagram, you want to uh, follow the instructions in our bio, and let's get connected. Let's figure out how we can work together whether it be on the podcast, whether it be featured on our Instagram or other uh, social media uh, areas, let us know how we can work with you. Maybe it's through strategic partnerships. You you need high-level consulting. We look forward to serving you in uh, any capacity uh, that makes sense. Uh, Also, make sure you are uh, subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere where you're listening to our podcast. We want to make sure that we have the highest engagement. Uh, also, make sure you leave a review on our uh, podcast. Go ahead and let us know what you think. Give us an honest take. And uh, if you want to give us five stars, we would definitely appreciate it. So without further ado, let's get into this episode and let's take a sneak peek into this $400 billion industry and how we can disrupt it together. I'm DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and of course, welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Black Equity listeners, we are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. I'm indeed excited about this conversation. Uh, We only talked about philanthropy one other time 
uh, on this podcast. And I want to talk about it more because I think it is a foundational conversation for us to have. And uh, on the line, I have Christina Cross. Christina, are you there? Hello. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, For those who don't know who you are, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, absolutely. So as uh, as you've mentioned, my name is Christina, and I'm the founder of uh, Bronze Muse Collaborative. We are we are a social enterprise that works on mission alignment. And uh, at the moment, one of the apps that we're um, cultivating and developing is called Mintlink, and Mintlink connects community based organizations and nonprofits to resources they need so they can reach and sustain their impact. Um, And to circle back to your point about philanthropy, a large part of the way that nonprofits are funded um, is through philanthropic um, endeavors. And so we're really shifting resources and creating access and even modernizing it a bit and disrupting it, if you will. So that's kind of um, the summary of that. Anytime someone talks about disrupting something, I get really excited. So um, let, let, let's kind of dive into that. When you say disrupting philanthropy, what is your idea? What does that mean to you? Well, there are several several things. And this is coming from someone who's outside of the phil- the traditional philanthropic sector. So please understand that the, that's the lens I'm coming with. Someone who has experience from the nonprofit social impact and tech end. And so um, oftentimes what, what is understood about philanthropy is that it's not always very accessible um, in terms of finding out about grant opportunities, about obtaining them if uh, an organization has applied, for example, and um, other issues within philanthropy, um, besides what I've stated, is there is what is called a racial tran- um, a racial philanthropic gap. So less than 10% of multi-billion, with a B, philanthropic dollars are granted to organizations that are Black-led or people of color-led. And, um, you know, for under-resourced nonprofits that are doing vital work in the community, this is a major issue. And this is, uh, the, the number hasn't changed. And if you disaggregate that data by gender, um, by other identities, that 10%, less than 10% is actually a lot smaller. And uh, we can dive into that a little bit. So um, those are just some problematic issues um, in terms of disrupting that. So on the flip end, what MintLink is helping to do is uh, provide Transparency provide access for community-based organizations um, that are that will be onboarded onto the app, um, and it also creates an opportunity for a lot of foundations and giving circles uh, to diversify their portfolio by having direct access uh, to nonprofits. Uh, and so, we are essentially fostering that and enabling um, enabling that access. Okay. So I, I feel everything you're saying. I'm really excited about getting into this topic. I know how important this is going to be. But before I do mm-hmm. that, how did you get into this world? Like, wh- how did you, like, <laughs> wh- where does this come from? How did you get into understanding philanthropy and knowing that there's uh, discrepancies and, and there's this gap? How did, where did this all come from? That is a great question. And I'm so grateful that you asked. It kind of happened, like, it happened accidentally in terms of how I've came up with this app idea. 
Um, so first of all, I previously had worked in or worked in, volunteered and advocated within the nonprofit sector. So I, I understand, um, I understand when budget cuts happened. I understand all of that. But um, more recently, after um, leaving my previous position at a startup, which I've learned so much, and I'm really grateful to have had that experience, I started consulting. And while consulting, I was reminded of what budget cuts can do to nonprofit orgs who are doing impactful work, but don't always have the resources to have continuity or to sustain or even um, expand on the impact that they have, right? And so while working with a, with a leader um, and just hearing a lot of the pain points of the org and just getting a tour and just the amazing work they're doing, it just became very clear to me that this is something that's just systemic and there's a solution for this. So one day, you know, I, I after our conversation, I just had a great flow of creativity. And so I drafted a proposal um, free of charge, just did it. And then like, you know, one of the responses, wow, we love this. This is great. But resources are going to be needed to carry this work out, of course. And I was like, man, is there something out there where I can just upload this and we can just access philanthropic grants? Mm. And I was like, wait, does that exist? Okay, well, let's just create this. And as I started to, um, you know, using my recent experiences at a startup and just having learned um, human-centered design and things of that nature, I just started digging a bit more and researching. And that's when I learned about the racial philanthropy gap, uh, about how Black, Indigenous, and POC-led organizations are not getting the dollars that they need. And that number hasn't shifted. And so um, I haven't been able to let it go since. And here we are now. So you find out about this gap that exists. And by the way, thank you for finding out about this gap and then not just letting it sit. A lot of times people, they find things, they say, oh, well, that's wrong. You know, how dare you? And then they they go off and do whatever else. And it's like, well, you know, you saw a problem, but then you didn't necessarily see the opportunity. So you saw an opportunity to mm-hmm. fix something, to change something, to implement something. I guess what my question mm-hmm. is, Why? Why most people run away from the problems, but you said, well, no, I'm going to implement something. I'm going to do something about this. What is it in your DNA that says, well, you know, I got to do something when I see a problem that's near and dear to my heart. Honestly, I don't have a succinct answer for this. I just know that if there's something that really resonates with me that I feel like I have the capacity to do something or there are resources out there that I know I can leverage and I know that I can build on and connect with others on I'm gonna do it and this was something that I was not ready to let go of and um, I see the value in it now I want to be cautious in that I know that there are resources out there that are um, that are providing resources but I notice the method in which they're doing about it while know they're really great is oftentimes it's outreach based it's still operating within a broken system and so what I the solution that I've kind of came with is completely shifting that so uh, for example if the issue is that uh, there's a gap in funding why don't we go ahead and elevate and create elevate and specifically seek out organizations that are led by um, by 
by Black folks and Indigenous folks and other people of color, right? Why don't we be intentional about that? So we're operating with a niche. And I know your question was, why not let this go? It's just like, we're like, I'm all about our people. I'm all about us winning. And I'm all about us like elevating one another. And I feel like this is my Do you feel like it's your calling? Do you feel like it's your purpose? Um, I feel like having an impact is something I've always wanted to do. And I feel like this might be the, this is a way that I can, I can contribute. Um, so yes, I do feel like it is my calling to use whatever resources, knowledge and skills that I have in bringing all of these, um, my vision together and, and putting it out there for the world to, to benefit and experience from, including myself, um, you mentioned uh, about putting your vision together. If you, if, I know you can't share everything, mm-hmm. but what is the vision? What is it you mm-hmm. see when you, when you start putting all this data together, you start talking with different uh, individuals? What is it you're, you're seeing in this vision of yours? Oh, I mean, a whole lot, but I'm going to start small and, and, and go from there. I mean, initially, uh, I'll start with where I am. You know, I'm in the very early stages okay. of entrepreneurship. And so I am right, in the right. trenches. <laughs> and, um, and so for my fellow entrepreneurs out there, just know that there's so much love for you and the work that you're doing because it takes a whole lot to go onto this journey. And it is in fact that I'm still learning every day. So I'll start there. Um, I am currently in what's called the minimum viable product phase. I want to make sure that what I'm creating is beneficial to all the people that will be utilizing it, um, both nonprofits and both philanthropic partners and, uh, and organizations that will, will then be tapping into this. Um, that's kind of the small and very, my, my future roadmap is to validate this and get my customers going, of course. But, you know, three years from now, what I would love for MintLink to be is the go-to resource, the source of not only um, accessing grants, not only um, establishing and expanding relationships, but also the place where people can share the impact that they've had with their organizations and their missions, because the fact that their philanthropy even has to exist is a whole other conversation to begin with. Right. And so, yeah, um, that this, this is kind of the one-stop shop and it's the go-to source while there are various tools out there that people are utilizing, you know, we'll be able to integrate them into our platform. And that's kind of um, the bigger vision for now, but it's going to take a while for that, the brand to get out there and, for the value add to be experienced and so I'm very humble in this and you know I'm just really excited and I'm excited that you're you know you're having this conversation with me right oh, now of course I mean this is near and dear to my heart and whenever actually a few episodes ago we talked about the racial wealth gap in general and so on on a different scale is okay well yes we have the racial wealth gap in general but then and there's different pockets within different sectors where you can see the, the, the gap very, very clearly. And so you've pointed out this gap. Do you think mm-hmm. it's, it was done on purpose? Where do you think this gap came from? Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot mm-hmm. of history there um, that we could, touch, we on could touch on, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll start lightly. I'll start very lightly and um, just go to more okay. recent events. Um, 
I mean, so there's a lot of conversation on diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And then, um, which is a very sanitized and cleaner version of racial justice, although racial justice isn't all-encompassing of equity. There's other forms of equity, um, you know, regarding physical accessibility, regarding um, gender, and, you know, things that we can expand on from there. But I hear this, I'm hearing this conversation. It's very hot right now, but it, you know, it's been multiple decades of this work within uh, various sectors. And um, for starters, I think that's very important that these conversations, these programming um, is being elevated by not just folks who look like us and come from our, our background, but also um, from people who are from, from, from white folks, uh, from, from folks who are, um, who are what are what we can call mm-hmm. allies. So that's, I think that's, that's really exciting. Um, okay, let me get back to the question. The question was, how did this happen? I don't know if it's intentional as much as it is a, hmm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, to really think about that a little bit more. Like, how do sure. I want to answer that? Cause I don't, I don't want to act as if I know the root to this, but I know that a lot of it has to do with access who, you know. Right. I mean, this is often said when it comes to applying for jobs or opportunities. It's like it's not always what you know, but who, you know. And unfortunately, this is also um, a theme that occurs with access to resources. And when you look at it from an organizational structure, now nonprofits do work in uh, in a way that for profit driven companies don't. And that's why they're so valuable to our society. Uh, right or you know the non uh, NGOs um, when you think about the interna- international realm, and so that's what's very unique about this. Uh, I know from the philanthropic history, um, very briefly, um, this started as a means to help address a lot of inequalities, and it's it's a tax code, and so there's a lot there. Um, but. <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to okay. circle back around with you when I have something a little I mean, bit more cohesive. I, I know you may not be. Yeah. Able. Well, I want to hear your I, thoughts. <laughs> I believe that we are living in a country that was never meant for mm-hmm. you and I to prosper, and I believe that those mm-hmm. gaps are going to be found in every sector because we are now finally mm-hmm. realizing what's going on with the data. The data has now come in over the last hundred years. And now we're able to start finding patterns. And when you when you come with a, mm-hmm. a system that uh, has a history of, of of racism and redlining and uh, mm-hmm. discrimination, mm-hmm. We're, we're starting to see what was happening in the forties, fifties, sixties. Of course, before that, but we're starting to see. Okay, mm-hmm. what are the effects? And now that we're in the twenty twenty, and we think about a hundred years ago. Uh, roughly 100 years ago, the bombing of Black Wall Street in 1921, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, the, we have 100 years of data showing us that uh, you did not want us, when I say you, I mean these white privileged individuals in North America did not want anybody who did not look like them to prosper. And it's case after case after case. It's found in the economic system, 
It's found in the justice system. It's found in the educational mm-hmm. system. It's found now in the daily in the media. Now we just had an episode with someone who is an expert in artificial intelligence, and they're saying that bad data is being put into systems. We got to watch out for artificial intelligence now because people are still doing what they're doing 100 years ago. And so I, I don't know the specifics about mm-hmm. philanthropy, but about the racial wealth gap in general, I would say it was designed this way. And so now you and I have to step in and say, wait, hold on a second. You design a faulty system. Either you fix this system or we, we destroy it all together and rebuild another one. And I feel like that's the crossroads that we find ourselves at in 2020. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to start snapping there. Uh, You said a lot of the things that I I haven't found the eloquence to say. So I appreciate you coming with the honesty. Yeah. um, There's a lot of uh, structures of power in place, right, to sustain a lot of these inequalities. And so um, we, a lot of us exist to disrupt that and create new opportunities for ourselves. And, you know, we're living in a time where... this so there's this opportunity where after. you see so, a huge gap yep. and you're looking to close that gap. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you want to close that gap is by being very intentional mm-hmm. about highlighting uh, yep. nonprofits, foundations that are uh, black led, minority led, uh, indig- indigenously led uh, and, and putting them onto a platform where they can all mm-hmm. find each other. What happens once they've been put on the platform? What is the goal there? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, So the great thing about us is we are, what what we're doing is we're matching. And so if your organization works on housing advocacy, and that, that can look very, there are so many ways that that could look, right? And so in terms of your access to grants, you're going to match with uh, funders, mm-hmm. giving circles, and other philanthropic institutions that are looking to fund that, we are doing what's called like filtered matching. So we can facilitate that instead of the traditional way as it's currently set up, a lot of orgs have to access different platforms to research funders. Um, there's word of mouth, of course, but then oftentimes it's just it's everywhere. It's discombobulated. There isn't a central place. And so what we're doing is onboarding nonprofit mm-hmm. partners um, or nonprofit organizations who will then also match with funders, but also, you know, and you can, what's, you can link, you can waitlist uh, and vice versa with the philanthropic partners. And from there, the conversation and the meetings can happen or based on previous interactions, get funded. And the whole point is to alleviate organizations who are doing vital work in the community to have to continuously search because at any time you're searching uh, for smaller community-based organizations, that's time away from the mission. And as it's currently set up, you know, there's, depending on how much resource you have as an organization, you may have uh, several grant writers or some executive directors might double as the development team right and so there's we're essentially um assisting with capacity um so philanthropic partners can initiate contact um with our onboarded nonprofit organizations and from there you know they can meet and there's for those who don't know what what is the major difference well, what are the nonprofits doing 
uh, that mm-hmm. the for-profits aren't able to do. I mean, the, the main thing with for-profit organizations, so like larger companies or even LLCs or depending on what the legal structure is, um, if it has a for-profit, for-profit purpose, essentially what that means mm-hmm. is just um, about earning profits. Uh, you know, there's a movement to have social responsibility and social impact, but the core function is for the shareholders. And there was a, and you know, there's a, a growing conversation around expanding the definition of shareholders and shifting it to stakeholders, because as a community, we're also impacted by what a lot of these corporations decision making is. But regardless of that, if they're a for profit structure, their main function is to earn a um, profits. And what we've learned and we've experienced is that sometimes it's to the detriment of people in our society. And I won't get into specifics, but mm-hmm. that is a concern. Uh, with nonprofits, however, you have a mission that you're trying to fulfill. And, you know, your tax status and your the way of um, being able to operate is dictated by your mission alignment. So oftentimes there's a board that is associated with your organization uh, to ensure that your existence and the, the things that you're getting funded for is in fact aligned with the overall mission. And it's uh, it's very much at the core uh, awesome. related to and, social uh, for impact the, and responsibility based uh, on the mission. For the nonprofit side, uh, how do people who are interested in this work um, how do they find you? How do they reach you? What is the best avenue to say, hey, I want to be a part of this. I like where this is headed. How do they uh, reach out to you and do that? Yeah, so the best way to reach out to me is uh, two ways, either through LinkedIn, which is where I'm most active right now. And um, so I can be found on LinkedIn um, forward slash um, Hey Miss Cross, that's H E Y M S C R O S S. Or you can reach me on my website at bronzemuse.com. That's B R O N Z E D M U S E.com. Uh, if you want to talk directly about MintLink, the app, either onboarding as a philanthropic giving circle, or as a nonprofit, uh, please do reach out to us um, on our website and sign up for our waitlist at mintlink.co. That's M-I-N-T. <laughs> you have a you have a great mission that you're going towards. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Do you realize that what you're doing is revolutionary? Not alone. You know, you you obviously have me as an ally. I'm sure there's many other people that you have as allies. And we want to see you succeed Uh, And anything that we can do to be a part of it. Please let us know uh, because we want to close those gaps uh, in all the different areas. It it can't just be one area. It has to be uh, all areas. So if someone is interested in working with you, we definitely encourage them to reach out and and make that happen. Absolutely. I totally appreciate this. And I also want to put it out Mm. there that, you know, oftentimes people hear the word philanthropy and they think that's only rich white people. Like, nah, actually, there's different ways to be of, of mm-hmm. value to towards these um, towards these issues. 
And um, financial resources is a large part of it, but there's also, you know, giving your time and um, providing access to your network. Um, And there's so many different ways to help expand on that mission. So I want to put it out there that you don't have to be a person with wealth to be able to contribute to what we're doing here. I encourage any and all, if any of this resonates with folks, um, to reach out and we can always find find common ground. This is a very important topic. Now, you know, the doors are open for when you want to return and tell us about what's, you know, the progress of your mission, the progress of your vision. Uh, if there's uh, partners who want to come on board and are working with you, and if they want to come on the podcast, we're open to having those conversations as well. Uh, before we go, are there any final thoughts that you have uh, for people who may be listening today? My final thought is that if there is anything out there that we see and um, we we have yet to see it in see something done about it. Like we are that change. And so I want to just put out an encouraging call to action for folks um, that as cliche as this sounds, like we have to be the change uh, that we're seeking. It starts with our actions. It starts with what we say and being intentional about it. And so, and it really, this is how we determine the future for ourselves. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity Strategic Partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at djmotri.com. Once again, djm at djmotri.com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guests you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast.